This is Helping of Happiness, episode number 158. Today we get to talk to our new friend Jan Hoth all about hardwiring our lives for happiness. Jan's going to teach us all about how we can find joy in the everyday through using her happiness prism concept. She is just so full of light and so full of excitement. I don't think that you can help but be happy after when you listen to Jan. She's just so much fun. And then after we're done talking to Jan at the very end of our podcast, we're going to have our little spoonful of spirit segment with our friend Lindy Schock from Enix Studies. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about the Holy Ghost. So just also a little reminder in case you didn't know, we have a newsletter that goes out most every week. And in that we have recipes and we talk about our travel tips and you'll get links to the podcast and the podcast archives and other family and home tips. So go ahead and head over to helpingofhappiness.com and subscribe for that newsletter so you can get even more information and fun things from us. One thing in there that I think is super helpful right now is our meal planning stuff where we have a whole packet about efficient grocery shopping and how to make a functional list, how to stick to your meal plans and We also have uh, three weeks of dinner ideas because I know trying to figure out what to make for dinner can be such a chore sometime. So go over to helpingofhappiness.com and sign up for that newsletter and you'll have that sent straight to your inbox. Hi, I'm Hilary Hess and you're listening to Helping of Happiness. I am a crazy mom of seven kids who loves to build memories through eating delicious family recipes and going on adventures with my family. On this podcast, you'll be introduced to light-filled people and ideas that inspire me to be a better mom and help me bring family closer together and closer to Jesus Christ. Well, hello, Jan. It is so nice to meet you today and have you on here. I cannot wait to get to know you better. Oh my gosh, Hillary, thank you already. I'm super excited to dive into this helping of happiness with you. Tell us about you and your family. Oh my gosh. Well, I am a happy wife and mom to two children. I now have a middle schooler. That's crazy. Ah! Uh, And an elementary school child. And then I also have a Bernese mountain dog. So if you hear a little wolf wolf in the background, (laughs) that's just Skylar (laughs) saying hello to the world. Um, And you know, I've always been passionate about the conversation of happiness and passionate about people. And, you know, we'll probably get into different aspects of my past, but ultimately, you know, I believe I walk this planet to be like a living, breathing, incarnated version of joy and happiness, you know, for me personally, for me and my family, but then also out into this world. And so it's really like my life mission to bring joy to the world, but starting with me and my family. And, you know, we currently reside in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where we ski and we paddleboard and we mountain bike and we do all sorts of fun things because I also believe in living the fullness of what life has to offer, which is, you know, we're here in physical form. So I like to get out there with my family and we play. That's a huge theme and virtue that we live by as a family and what I teach inside of my work. But kind of in a nutshell, I I am a, you know, high energy being and just so love, like love seeing others lit up 
in their lives, just like you. I know that about you. That's yes, why you have podcast, right? You're like soul sisters already. I just love it. I know. So yeah. <laughs> this is going to be so fun because you know, just I'm sure from just seeing the things on my blog, I love eating with my family and that's such a physical thing, right? Getting that, all those senses involved and traveling with the family and then any little home hacks because being in the home can be super amazing too, even if you're not going somewhere, eating something awesome. So yes. Okay, well, so we, you have this happiness prism process that I want to hear all about. And how has this brought you joy in your life? And kind of what are these ideas and how did you come by them? Just let's get started with that. All right. Well, there's so much I could share. So I'll do my best to be succinct and abridged for the purpose of all. Um, (laughs) And yet, you know, like I said, like I've always enjoyed and appreciate happiness and, and being happy. And then I was vividly aware of not being happy, having depression as a teenager, which long story short, turned out to me going to Germany as an exchange student, which helped me flip the script essentially on my life and the way I saw it. Numerous circumstances also including um, had a, a tragic loss of my mother-in-law in a, a sudden car accident. And that was a catalyst to me also recognizing like this is a a short life, like we've got to make the most of this. We don't know when our time is up. And then we also had a cancer scare with our son who's now nine years old, thriving. And um, we'll possibly get into that story a little bit more, but you know, all of this to say, like I had my own challenging circumstances to desire happiness even more in my life, to realize those moments don't have to define ourselves and our lives. They help us inform what really matters. They help us understand and appreciate how much more we want to make the most of this life in whatever capacity we can. You know, if we're in a limited capacity because of health or, you know, a world pandemic or something like that, that, you know, a prison walls do not a prison make. And so when I sat down and started to really delve into the realization that I'm here to be a professional expression of this joy and happiness conversation, not just to live it myself. When I started my coaching business and, and building out programs, I started to look at like, what can I pull from my life? Because my life story is really the foundation of what I can bring to this world. And just knew that I had a unique focus and expression that was very different than, you know, what you can go off and get in college or in other formal institutions. And when I started to realize and sit with this notion of happiness and sit with this notion of times I was not happy, this idea of the happiness prism came to me. And I was like, oh, wow, like that's so fascinating. You know, thinking about the idea of a prism and where we are light beings and the fact that when we are lit up, we are high energy beings that we we shine our lights in the world. And that, you know, this idea of a prism, like, wow, when we shine our light through a prism, you know, there's rainbows and those rainbows are like the effect of a, a ripple effect and the impact that we make beyond our own experiences. But then I started to go, well, what does this mean? And how do I teach this? How do I live this? And that's when the idea of, you know, I had the the three and even four dimensional version of the prism in my mind and in my heart, but then it came down to a very simple triangle and realizing, wow, there were these three pivotal moments that I, I shared already briefly about in which 
when I had the depression, I realized play was a powerful element and energy that we require in our lives. When I had depression and the idea of becoming an exchange student in Germany came to my forefront, it was like, wow, that's the most playful future I can possibly live into. And then when my mother-in-law passed away, it was like, oh my gosh, progress. We are here to progress in some capacity. And to be very succinct with this, but understanding like progress doesn't necessarily mean a professional path vocation. You know, it might just be like an amazing version of you today, like you get out of bed, you know, but realizing that we are all here to move forward on our paths to, to progress. But then when we had the cancer scare with my son, that's when I had like my spiritual awakening, if you will, and really sat in a space of surrender to something else. And that's where I identified the aspect of peace. And then when I really, really sat in all of this and this beautiful divine download came to me of this whole curriculum, there's, a, there's really a whole curriculum behind the happiness prism, but on the simplest form, when we honor play and peace and progress every moment, every day, no matter what's coming our way, we are optimized in our happiness. We are optimized in our joy. And that's where this idea of the happiness prism gets to be so beautiful because it's very simple, you know, in, in, in starting terms and the basic terms, but then it gets very, very dynamic. I do have high level year long coaching programs that I, I guide leaders through to have a, a personal discovery of who they are in this world and their joy. But what I also recognize with the happiness prism and, you know, I, you, you and I are on camera, so you get to see this, that I'm holding you have up. this awesome little glass prism here that we're. It's a pyramid prism. And, you know, I know you have a family and I have a family and, you know, maybe some of the listeners maybe don't have a, you know, family per se, but they have like a team that they work with, but recognizing that, you know, we on one side, we are one side of this prism. But when you think about the dynamics of a family, of a community, of a, a team, that you realize that like, when I'm lit up on one side, I influence the other sides of the prism, I influence the other beings. So it becomes a very beautiful and dynamic concept that when you really sit with this, and I encourage all of our listeners here to really sit with this notion that you know times in your life are ready where you were just so lit up that you organically, you know, said something nice to the person at the checkout store, that you organically infused into your meal that you were cooking so much love and delight. And you know that it was like the secret sauce to that dish, right? But just realizing how much when we take personal responsibility for our own happiness, for our own joy, that we are like these prisms, and there are beautiful dynamics that radiate out in ways beyond what we can articulate, but consciously and even, you know, in our knowing beyond the, their, the ability to articulate, there's a, there's a sense inside that it's like, yeah, there's a sense of satisfaction, of fulfillment that like, you know, your podcast being helping of happiness. It's like that helping of fulfillment that you get to have. And that's part of where my mission here is to assist others in building a no regrets life. Because like with my mother-in-law, we don't know when our time's up, mm -hmm. but to realize like we can be the fullness of who we are, even in the not joy. Cause I talk about that a lot. 
that it's like those not joy emotions that those not joy circumstances help define and clarify what does really matter. But when we honor all of that, then we really honor the whole, you know, array of the rainbow of what it is to be human. I love that. I love that. And I'm so intrigued by all of this sitting in the not joy. And I know you have this Fruit Loop moment story, and this is about you and your son who was diagnosed. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I've already shared, I connected with the peace aspect of the prism when I was in the hospital with him. It was our first night, like earlier that morning, it was like everything started like a normal day. And then all of a sudden this devastation that like 10 hours later, we're in the cancer wing of the children's hospital with a six week old. And I have a two year old at home with my husband. Oh my goodness. He was so, so young. He was so young. It was, and it was just so, you know, unheard of. And, and even like all the nursing staff and doctors are like, he's so young. We don't understand. And they said, look, we don't know that it's cancer, but it might be this is life-threatening. We don't know what this is. And so that first night, because I was a breastfeeding mom, I got to be the one that stayed with my son and my husband had to be home with our daughter. And I know he was in his own journey, but you know, that first night I was like, I asked for help and I tuned into peace and really took some breaths and thought, oh my gosh, okay, well, I don't know what this is, but this isn't how his story ends, but I don't know how we get out of here. So at that point, it was like, all there was for me to do was to go to bed. I need to get some sleep. He needs to get to sleep, although he was thankfully already asleep at that point, even though it was just so devastating seeing all these wires, you know. Yeah, um, there's nothing worse than your kids being sick. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Like, just give it to me. I just can't see them like this. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you know, I go to bed the next morning, you know, wake up to this nightmare and just devastated but also aware that as a breastfeeding mom, I need to eat. And so here I am at a children's hospital and here I am through my tears. I open up the menu and I realize I can order Fruit Loops. <laughs> Woo-hoo! I can order Fruit Loops on the menu. And it was like, the first thing that came to me was, oh no, you can't order Fruit Loops. That's not nutritional for you or for your son. But a larger voice came through. And this is where I really believe that, you know, that night before when I tuned into peace, I tapped into a a bigger knowing. And in that knowing, I, I was like, oh my gosh. And the voice said, you will eat the fruit loops because it is soul nourishment that you need right now. And of course I ordered the fruit loops I ate the fruit loops. I laughed at myself eating the fruit loops because I, yeah, I don't really eat sugary cereals like this anymore, but they, at the moment, watching the colors swirl around in the milk and, and the playfulness of this idea of fruit loops and, you know, like this eating moment that I know you, you are so gorgeous and a proponent of, of it wasn't the food, it was the experience. And in this moment, as I now coined the Fruit Loop moment, I moved myself into a state of joy. I moved myself in, into a state of joy consciousness because that's the thing about true joy and true happiness. 
we are at a level of consciousness where we're more intuitive, we're more connected, creative, we're more available to higher level thinking. And this fruit loop moment helped bring me out of the depths of despair to get into a different state of possibility. And then ultimately, you know, I, after this, I tuned back into peace and was like, okay, how do we get out of here? You know, like holding on to that bigger vision. <laughs> There's, there's, there's your dog. <laughs> Skylar says hi. Um, but ultimately, I was able to advocate for my son because of the Fruit Loop moment, because I was at a higher level thinking. I was making a higher level decision, not, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I do? Panic, because no one makes great decisions in panic. For sure. And, you know, making tough decisions like they want to give them a blood transfusion and being present to, Oh my gosh, I just gave birth to this guy six weeks ago and someone else's blood in him. But I was at a sound state of mind, like, yes, yes, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to make up that it's magic blood. We're going to make up something to make ourselves feel better. But to realize that the Fruit Loop moment was the catalyst to me being in a better state of mind. And now look, I did not eat Fruit Loops for the next 12 days that we were at hospital. <laughs> But I ultimately did look for what I now call the fruit loop moment, every moment I could take, just seeing the little joys, the beautiful connections with the nursing, nursing staff, you know, the movies we got to watch, the, the things that the quiet moments that I had with my son, that at this point in my, and I know you have a couple of children, right? That like, you know, after number one, <laughs> You don't really get a lot of alone time with that other one. Mm -hmm. And to realize I had a lot of quiet time with this guy that I, I kind of joked about it with him. I'm like, okay, buddy, you're totally getting a lot more mom than you <laughs> would have if, you, if we hadn't gotten into this pickle. But the idea of the Fruit Loop moment and, and my invitation to anyone listening is to realize you can look for a Fruit Loop moment at any point of your day, no matter how devastating your your life or circumstance is. It's that little shroud of light, of happiness, of even just possibility in the moment, regardless. Like again, a prison walls do not a prison make. And so ultimately the ending of the story is, as we got out of those, the hospital after 12 days with a pat on the back, we think he's gonna be okay. And we don't actually have a medical diagnosis. They, they diagnosed him as a medical mystery and even they said a medical miracle. That is almost kind of the worst when you're like, we don't even know what you, <laughs> but if he's fine, I mean, what do you, you just take it and go with it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So really, you know, I really humbly will say, I believe I, and we collectively healed him and, and gave space to that medical mystery and medical miracle outcome. And really want to encourage everybody listening to that like even if you're in a big challenging pickle circumstance like this you know to hold true to the bigger vision and to look for those little joys along the way the little fruit loop moments that I you know I do define as like a spontaneous inspired action that you take that results in a burst of joy and a miraculous outcome in some capacity but there's you know nothing that like I can explain scientifically about this other than realizing even now that I implement this and my clients implement it, that this idea of fruit loop moments, like, you know what, isn't it worth it just to feel a little bit better for a little bit amount of time? 
but we both know when, when you are feeling a little bit better, you make better decisions. Your body is more relaxed to heal. If it's something within your body, you see other opportunities, you know, it's amazing what happens. And that is where thankfully there is science to back us up in this conversation, all the positive psychology, all of the, um, now (laughs) scientific proof that aligns with what spiritual leaders have known for centuries is, um, you know, your life really is better when you look for the happiness, but not stepping over the devastation. Like I gave space to my upset, to my worst fear. What if this doesn't work out? Okay. Well, what if it doesn't like let the tears, let the emotion come through because that's, that's part of it. Even though, you know, in our culture, we weren't necessarily taught how to process and weren't necessarily taught that it's actually okay to be the happy one in the room, even if everyone else is devastated. It's actually okay to feel called to speak to that too, because sometimes we think, who am I to actually have a great life or have a great moment when everyone else is having, you know, a crummy experience? But who are you not to? And in fact, you know, the more of us that really own, if we're feeling good, that it helps bring others up back to that you know, dynamics of the prism, like the more that we actually allow ourselves to feel great, allow ourselves to have that helping of happiness, it actually um, serves everyone. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I think it's, it's so true that the more that you look for the good, the more that you see the good too. I think that there's a huge proponent for that. And I love that you don't just skip over the sad because without that sad, you can't feel the opposite effect, which is the happy, right? You have to have that sorrow to feel the joy too. So love that you're, you're talking about that. And do you mind talking about your mother-in-law story a little bit? Because that isn't necessarily as happy of an ending as your son who got better. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I appreciate that you, you're inviting me to share that because you're right. This isn't the happy outcome, Yeah, but there is a happy ending in the bigger way. I don't know. Yeah. And so, yeah. So part of my story of my joy story is the fact that after college, I turned down a corporate job to go ski instruct. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is so fun. Followed my joy, which was against the grain to ski instruct. And, um, I had so much fun that season and I actually ended up crashing and I was all bummed. I missed part of the season that I was complaining to an Australian colleague that I didn't get enough snow. And he said, well, why didn't you come teach with us down under? And so I did, I went and ski instructed in Australia for what our, you know, North America summer is. And on my first day at ski school, I met my now husband. Oh my goodness. And so here I have this amazing man that I had to go 9,000 miles away, you know, and I followed my joy to meet, right? Like I didn't go there to meet my man, but anyway, I met my man. And so here I am married to this amazing Australian man. And we were so excited to share with his parents our tradition for Thanksgiving, which is kind of not traditional in the sense that my parents live in the Florida Keys. And so we have Thanksgiving under the tiki hut. Oh my goodness. I (laughs) need to have Thanksgiving in a tiki hut. That sounds amazing. So, you know, he he was so excited because he had, before we were married, he got to experience that and was like, oh my gosh, it's so special. It's like a compounding factor of having, you know, the traditional Thanksgiving and then throw it under a tiki hut. It's really fascinating. So his parents got to come and experience that. Well, 
right before this trip that she had just retired. My father-in-law had just retired and they um, were so excited for all these plans. And of course we had all these plans we, we had in mind um, and we, they just kicked it off their whole trip by coming to the Keys. We had Thanksgiving and then the next day we had um, organized for them to borrow the family bikes and we only had two. And I remember vividly thinking, I so wanna go with them. Like, I just really want to go with them. And I was so bummed we didn't have bikes. And then it was like, no, let them go have their time. You just had a lot of, a lot of, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a good way, but you know, it's nice to get oh, totally right. But then, um, you know, an hour later or so we got the dreaded phone call and Elise being Australian, she looked the wrong way when she went to cross the road. Oh, it's shit. one main road in the Florida Keys. And it was so innocent. It was so innocent, but then it was so tragic. And then it was very dramatic too, because it's a one lane highway, holiday weekend, lots of traffic, all this stuff. And so it was very compounded how dramatic it was and how it was just so heart-wrenching for all of us and regretful. So this is like, ultimately where I came up with this realization of like, you know, there were so many regrets on all of our parts. I regretted not going when I had that pull to want to go with them, you know, like all sorts of regret from my parents that they let them go. And that, you know, we didn't explain further, really make sure you look both ways, both ways. She was a kindergarten teacher. She knows to look both ways. She teaches right. that, but you know, just, she was so excited and Yet her life was really cut short. Like, and there were all these things that they didn't do because they were waiting for retirement. And so when I, you know, really processed for myself and, you know, that's when I accessed the as aspect of the happiness prism of progress, which I define as purpose and motion, that it's like, wow, I'm, I'm committed to her death not being for, you know, not I'm going to be an advocate for others to realize that there's so much to enjoy and so much to appreciate in this life, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're up to, no matter where you come from. And I mean, the other thing about her specifically is she was such a vibrant being. She was, it was, we would giggle. She was very loud and expressive and would give these big bear hugs, even though she was this tiny woman. And she was this kindergarten teacher that just had some vibrancy about her. And I was like, I know I have some of that in me and I'm not going to let this, you know, moment pass of realization. And so ultimately it was the catalyst to me starting my business. Up until then I'd been ski instructing and I loved ski instructing. I loved passing the passion of skiing on the slopes, but the truth was I loved the chairlift rides more. I loved getting into conversation around people and kids and, and families and their lives even more on the chairlift. And then when I had learned somewhere along my journey that there's this thing called life coaching and spiritual life coaching and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to do this. But I was like, hem ha, how do I get started? And it was like, boom, this event happened. And I was like, I've got to get started, even if I don't know how to do this or what, what to do around the business of it. I mean, I knew I could speak to people and listen to people and hold space and encourage and inspire them up into a better version of themselves and their joy. But I, I was, you know, scared, you know, we're all scared to take that next step a lot of times in our lives. And yet this was like, nope, no regrets. 
we've got to move forward. And so that's when I started my business back in 2007 to assist in this process of really inspiring others to be the best version of themselves, to own their joy and own it. And by the way, as I teach joy as an acronym of just own you, but to recognize that we each have a unique path here to live in this life. And a lot of times you will have to go against the grain of what others thinks are best for you or, you know, what your spouse thinks best for you or what you thought was best for you at one time. <laughs> Recognizing like, you know, it does take courage and heart. And sometimes it takes a helping hand to, to move you along to say, yep, you know what, this really is your truth. I see that with you and let me hold your hand. Let's, let's walk this path together so that you can go have your own helping of happiness and then deliver and dish out your helping of happiness. Because, you know, what it doesn't have to be, and I say this to my clients all the time, it's like, you don't have to have your own audience per se, but you, we all are leaders and we are here to bring our own expression and our own unique manner. And it may or may not be in the form of a, a business. I mean, am I being the best dang mom or the best dang aunt or uncle or whatever that you can be? And that's you giving your helping of happiness. It doesn't have to be a formal setting is what I'm trying to say. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the background story of the no regrets life. It, like you said, you know, it did end tragically in that specific space. And yet what spun off of it was you know, so much light and life. And I mean, I feel her presence with me all the time. I have a picture of her on my desk. Like I can hear her whispering, like cheering along in the love background that. I love that of so us much. having this conversation, you know? So it's like, huh, you know, some loving encouragement to everyone listening who has very dear loved ones that have passed, you know, before their time or in unprecedented ways, but recognizing like their energy is still with you. They are still encouraging you along too, to go be all of you, go be in your happiness. And again, defining it the way you need to define it, because, you know, I get into this conversation a lot between happiness and joy and my very simple response is it's whatever lights you up. <laughs> it's whatever lights you up because we can't fully define the essence of what that feels like, what that looks like, and how that's going to evolve from today and tomorrow into the next day. I love that. So what I'm getting from this is playfulness. You touched on that just a little bit when you said that you were, you know, going to be the foreign exchange student in Germany. And then peace is what you got when your son was super sick and then progress is what you got from your the death of your mother-in-law I love that do you want to talk just a little bit more about that before I go on to other things or is that do have I have I summed it up in the right way yeah I mean you summed it up in the right way I mean maybe I think the only thing I didn't say yet was um I define play as joy in motion okay let's talk about that a little bit yeah because like the fruit loop moment there was no other purpose to eat those fruit loops other than to bring me joy. There was no other agenda there. And that's where I think it's actually important to maybe, yeah, highlight the idea of play even more because especially as adults, we think we need to do this adult thing. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> like what it's called adulting, right? Like, and, and to realize that like, you know, yeah, we have, real life decisions to make but you know what like each one of us is really just a child at heart 
and to appreciate that play can look like it can look like an adult thing like a love session with partner but it can also look like being silly and giddy with your child it can look like fruit loops it can look like whatever you want it to be or it can be like try quiet and tranquil a walk in nature can be a really gorgeous way to play but to highlight this idea of play and i i encourage play first the thing that i laugh about my journey and my discovery of the happiness prism is the fact that you know so i teach meditation as part of my work but i knew meditation was going to be serving for me and i'm sure anybody listening like yeah we know meditation's a good idea but i'll tell you what it took me years to get into meditation because i'm a big energy being tell me like i'm like a five-year-old kid like tell me to sit on a cushion no thank seriously you. it's right. either i'm like gonna fall asleep or i have to be moving so just holding still and it's kind of a painful process when you first start yeah yeah so this idea of play first is also about moving that energy so you you kind of get it out so that when you do take the time for peace and as I teach it, especially starting out, it could just be a minute of deep breathing. It doesn't have to be much. And especially I used to uh, teach meditation to a mama um, playgroup here, mindfulness for mama playgroup. And I would giggle with the moms and, you know, I'd be leading meditation in, inside of a really noisy room of kids playing. And I was like, look, <laughs> that sounds like my yoga at home. Yeah, you, yeah. It's not very you zen. Yeah, and you are so a guru. Like anyone can go to an ashram and meditate, but if you can find some quiet in the middle of this, you're freaking amazing. But what I, what I also like to teach is like, you know, do you drink tea? Put the kettle on. And until the kettle goes off or put a piece of toast in, until the toaster pings, just in the middle of your kitchen and just breathe and let the kids run circles around you. You know, I mean, you can also reapply this to people in business, like let your colleagues run circles around you in the office for two minutes, <laughs> whatever it is, but realizing that peace doesn't have to take long. However, I've always found the need to play first, just a little bit. And then you can move into peace, which I do define as prayer and motion, but ultimately not religious, spiritual. It's about tuning into a larger part of you. It's tuning into the deeper knowing and the, the answers mm -hmm. that can only really come from you. And then progress is purpose and emotion. And that's ultimately only taken after you've had the play tuning into joy, you've had the quiet moment tuning into you, and then you progress. And that's when you take that one inspired action that will take care of everything else and or put you into a better state of being and functioning such that everything else is easier yeah. or clear where to delegate. But that's where this is, you know, a, a very sophisticated process as well, because it's, it's really honoring who we are as human beings. And yet recognizing that you know especially in our culture like we're so much a doing culture we jump to the doing but the problem with that is we either don't get it done or we get it done and it's not satisfying mm -hmm. so when we actually take this time and i know for so many people listening and myself included early on you know you think this seems backwards because i grew up with you get to play when the work is done 
well, it's actually play and then work. And then actually when you do the work, it'll be more fun and more productive. And that's where there is scientific, you know, factors that, that we can now lean on that, you know, you're 31% more productive. You're, there's all these fun facts that we can honor and appreciate now that we've actually known inside. And like you were saying, you know, when you do look for the good, there's actually a great book called Hardwiring for Happiness by Rick Hansen. And he is a spiritual psychologist and he, he teaches and speaks to in there. It's kind of a meaty book, but it's the science behind the fact that when you look for good, you retrain your neural pathways. You, re, you do train your brain to look for it. We can all look at one image and see so many different things. But like, you know, what comes to mind, like when, when you first wanted kids, you know, when I want first one kids, I'm like, I want to be pregnant. And then of course, everywhere I look, every woman's pregnant. Of course. No, yes. but it's that same idea with joy, with happiness, with looking for the good. You do train your brain to do that and you will actually see more of it, but you can actually scientifically change your makeup, the brain aspect of you because there years ago decades ago they used to say your brain is fixed and thankfully they've proven that to be wrong now that it's not that this is hope for everyone it doesn't matter and look I know there might be some people listening and I've many of my clients have had very challenging upbringings like it doesn't matter where you've come from doesn't matter what you've been through you too can have happiness you can have your own helping of happiness and it gets to be on your terms and it gets to be a discovery process. And that's where, you know, I wholeheartedly encourage anyone listening, like to take some time to sit down today and draw a triangle on a blank piece of paper and write down happiness in the middle or joy. And then on the left side, right play, on the right side, right piece, and on the bottom, right progress. And look at this for a moment and think about what's an action you can take in each one of those spaces of play, of peace and progress. And I guarantee you, you will feel a little, if not better, after you honor that. This is making so much sense to me because as you're talking, I'm thinking about when my days run the best. And it's when generally I get up in the morning and I have my peace time. So I do my scriptures and I have my play time, which is usually a walk with a friend or maybe me and my son go to the pool or the park or I've just really, now that all my big kids are in school, I just have the one at home. If I've noticed if I don't play with him first off in the day, we're all kind of in a bad mood. If I try to go to work first, then he's feeling put off and, you know, so, but if I can have peace and I can play with him, then I'm so much more productive in my work and he is so much more entertained doing his own thing. And so this is like, oh, it's just... Yeah. I, you're giving me these lessons that I didn't even know that I needed today. So I'm loving this. And it's just so validating that, yes, this formula really is amazing. It's inspired. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for who that is that you get to be for your son, because you're absolutely like, you know, talking about the prism, like you are positively influencing his prism and that's why he's content. And what like a great that, pattern for all of us. Yeah. That is that ripple effect. Great. Yeah. Oh, this is so awesome. I love it. I'm going to need to teach this to my big kids. It's trickier with them because they go to school so early. So we're going to have to find some way to play very short before they go to school or something or do kitchen it on the weekends party. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, kitchen dance party is our favorite go-to. Oh, there you go. That'd be a fun way to make it out the door in the morning. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Jan, we have got to tell everybody where they can find you because I know that our listeners are going to want to hear more and get some more information and coaching or whatever, all the things that you have. So tell us where we can find you and what you have available for them. Absolutely. So the easiest way to find me is at my website, janhoth.com, J-A-N-H-O-A-T-H.com. And when they go there, they do have the opportunity to download a video series in which I share about waking up to your true joy. And I'm really excited. It's a new series that I've been putting together. Um, But then they can check out some other opportunities and ways for us to connect. I do have a joy jumpstart chat that we can hop on together. And I'm happy to, you know, offer some insight right now. And um, yeah, those are the starting ways. There's obviously a plethora of more, but um, that's a good place to start. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to put this all in the show notes so that our friends listening can just click a button and get straight over and connect with you. So that will be so awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just thinking about you in this whole helping of happiness. And we didn't really get to get into the food aspect, but I did feel called to share that, you know, one of my favorite meals happens to be, I don't know if you've ever had raclette. Have you ever had raclette? No, but let's, let's just delve right into these helpful and happy questions. Okay. So what yeah, so I'm really called to speak to this because what is this meal? I've never heard of this. It's actually, um, it's a traditional experience out of Switzerland Ooh. and it's this griddle you put in the middle of the table and then it's, you know, it's kind of like the idea of fondue, but, um, you actually do griddling instead of dipping and oh you put my all of the different types of sides and different things that you can, you know, put together. But I happen to really love this meal. And this, this is the funny thing because it's, it's usually centered around cheese and like French baguette. And I actually don't really do gluten and dairy anymore, but I happen to love. <laughs> that is a really tricky thing then if you have that. I know, but you know what? I love it so much because of the community aspect, which I know is what you are about with this helping of happiness mm-hmm. conversation. And I just love and adore seeing my family and my children, you know, all ages appreciating gathering around the table, you know, putting different things on the griddle. And of course, because it takes a while, you know, there's conversation, there's a rich experience and a rich environment. And just, you know, thinking about you and this, this notion of, of the eating and the joy and the connection and the fullness of being in our bodies, like, yeah, I just, okay. Yeah. So I've got to hear, what are we putting on this griddle? This is just sounds so much fun. So you said bread and I'm guessing that it's kind of toasted on one side and you throw the cheese and it melts on the other. Is that which? Yeah. Like, so doing? it's this griddle on top and then it has like, um, heating elements that, that also heat downward and you have this little pan that you put in oh and my has their own little personal pan. And like traditionally in, um, the Swiss culture. And this was, I was first introduced to this, um, in Germany okay, okay. Um, because it was actually our German holiday dinner, which I just so loved because we were, I think we we're at the dinner table for like three hours. Oh, I love and it. Just, like just that prolonged. And it's not like you overeat because you're just slowly cooking these little pieces, but you get this, your own little personal, um, cooking pan 
And you can put anything from sausages, charcuterie, um, you know, different types of ham or beef or anything if you're if you're into meat, or you can do, you know, vegetarian, all sorts of vegetables and potatoes, and and you can add like compliments like corn and peas and um gherkin are very popular because you know the the culture over there um and then all sorts of different sauces and but you just it's honestly whatever you want to do you could you know broccoli and cauliflower and all sorts of different things that you like and then the the big thing is having all the different sauces and then you know like a side salad and then the baguette the thing about the baguette is you cut it Thin, and then you put it on the little tray and then if you want to put the cheese on or um, my daughter's favorite is you put a little fig jam on and then you put the cheese on <laughs> and uh but anyway like I just I was inspired to make sure I shared my favorite meal okay so tell me the name of that again it's Rac- called Racklet. Racklet. Okay. Racklet. I have to do this. I don't have a little German thing, but I could plug in like my electric griddle in the middle of the table and we could do something with it. Right? Yeah. I mean, you can actually <laughs> can buy one of those things. Yeah. I, I, I think I need to order one of those. I kind of highly recommend you can get them now. I mean, for a while there, you couldn't get them in our country, but you can get it. It's like, there's a Swiss made. Yeah. Racklet machine. If you Google oh it, gosh. there's also How little cool. ones and big ones. And, but, you know, just so appreciating, you know, like the bigger message here about happiness. It's not just about our own. You know, I talk about and I promote making your joy and your happiness a priority. But it's like because then we get to be in other people's joy and happiness even more. And we get to influence that more. And then, it, and then on a, you know, a lovingly capital S selfish note that's life-giving by the way that the Dalai Lama talks about selfishness. There's the foolish selfishness, which is like, you know, takes away from others. And then there's the wise selfishness that like brings more to you so you can give more. But the, the thing about it is when we're in a better state of being, you know, at the dinner table or wherever, and we dish it out, it comes back to us. And so again, while I don't necessarily, you know, consume, whatever bread and cheese at this point in my life, I can sit down to a raclette meal with such delight with my family, with friends. We always have like another family over and it's our way of like creating community and creating joy and, you know, having laughter and conversations and, and having, you know, being in what this life I believe is about is, you know, connection and community and personal joy and collective joy and all the things. So. Oh my goodness. I love it. I have to try this. This is just sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I think we're going to maybe do it every night for dinner. Maybe that will keep the kids at the dinner table. That is my hardest thing lately is that someone is because I have seven kids. Six of them are still in the house. I know so many kids. So there's always somebody that wants to run off somewhere. So we're always trying to figure out ways to keep everybody at the table. And this, I think they will just think is so much fun. They would love this. So it, cool. is, it is fun. It's amazing how the kids do okay. take it. So yeah, they it. create their own meals and everything. So, <laughs> okay. So you've got it, but let's go to our next one. What's your, do you have a very favorite trip or a dream vacation or is it just so hard to answer it? I know I have like millions one, of things I want to say. I know this one's tough because I really am about experience the fullness of life. Like 
you know, surfing in Costa Rica, like oh, so good. Like, you know, I've, I've been blessed to ski all over Europe and, you know, I've been to Australia numerous times and I just, I mean, honestly, whatever the adventure is that I can get into and, you know, my dream trip is maybe like my next trip, whatever it is. I know <laughs> that's me. I've always got a couple in the kitty. Cause I just can't stop. It's just so fun. Yeah. It is because you meet new people and new cultures. And, you know, ultimately, I think that's why I won the scholarship for Germany, because I sat at the interview table like this lit up and they're like, why do you want to go to a foreign country? I'm like, are you kidding? I get to meet new people and eat new food and try new experiences. And they're like, it's funny because I was this really girl needs to go to Germany. <laughs> I know they were giggling. They're like, well, you're really thin. Are you sure you like food? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm also an athlete. So I have a good metabolism, but I was like, so lit up about the people and the culture and the experiences. And like, you know, that's what I just think is so magical too in this life. Like that's what, you know, I love about the idea of the Rackland dinner, but what I love about travel is like, you see so much that you didn't consider like you realize this world is so not flat and it's not even two-sided. It's like so dynamic and, you know, the richness of travel and, and experiencing things that like, there's a funny story from when I was in Germany, I was still learning the language. And one of my new German friends was like, do you want to go? And I was like, what? And I didn't know what he said. And I was like, sure. And I said, yes. And I had no idea what I was saying yes to because I was just so excited to go do whatever. So I arrived where I'm supposed to arrive. And I find out we're going to go row on the Kiel Harbor in Northern Germany. And I was like, I have never rowed before. I don't even think I'm wearing the appropriate clothing, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I just so appreciate, you know, getting into life and whatever capacity, you know, lights you up personally. And for me, I, you know, I happen to like things a bit more adventurous. We sail, you know, I have, you know, heli ski, all sorts of things, but that's me. But I just, I so appreciate just following through on things that light, light you up, whatever that is. Love it. Love it. Okay. Last question. Do you have a home hack for us? The fruitly moment. Okay. The moment, like looking for those because you don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. I love that. You know, and, and music. I'm a big fan of fun dance music. My husband and I giggle. We pull out some old 90s stuff and crack oh, ourselves yeah. up and, you know, a disco ball here and there. But the the home hack is looking for the fruit loop moment and realizing you can you can generate it. You can generate it for yourself in so many different ways, whether it's, you know, putting food coloring in the food. <laughs> we had green eggs and ham the other night. <laughs> Oh, my daughter's been begging for green eggs and ham. And so is my son because they've been reading it so much. So that needs to go on my list too. We've got to have a green eggs and ham night because they would love it. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. You reminded me. (laughs) That's my, that's my home hack is how can you bring play to whatever you're doing? I mean, my family laughed because I'll like joyfully clean the toilet. And they're like, how can you enjoy cleaning the toilet? I'm like, it's what you bring to it. (laughs) I love that. That is so fun. Oh, Jan, I could talk to you for hours and hours. This is just awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with me. And I just feel like I learned so much from you. And I'm feeding off all of this excitement and joy. And this is just so wonderful. I'm so happy our listeners can be able to feel some of your excitement too. So thank you so much. 
Oh my gosh, thank you. And thank you for all that you are doing, bringing all of these beautiful, uplifting and life-giving conversations. I just, I so appreciate what you're bringing to this world. So it is my honor and pleasure to be here. And I just want to give a big shout out to the whole audience that are listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. All right, here we are with our Spoonful of Spirit segment with Lindy Schock from Enix Studies, and we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. Lindy, tell us all about it. What are we learning this week? Thank you. Um, The Holy Ghost is one of my all-time favorite. I have a lot of favorites. I probably say that a lot. (laughs) That's how I I say that about all my guests, too. (laughs) Oh, this is my favorite guest. This is my favorite child. This is my favorite food. I think I say favorite food on every food post that I say. Oh, it's my favorite dessert. (laughs) My favorite salad. (laughs) Uh, But the spirit, the Holy Ghost is like, it's in my top five. (laughs) So it really is one of my favorite. Only because as I started learning about the Holy Ghost and studying about it, a lot of times there'll be this list of, okay, if you keep the commandments and you live morally and you are kind and you pray and you do all of these things, then you'll, the, the blessing is you'll have the spirit. <laughs> and so you're like, you do these 15 things and you get the spirit. And so it seems like a little off balanced. <laughs> But then as I started studying about the spirit and what that even means, ah, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. This particular lesson talks about the spirit actually being the voice of God. So, and, and as hard as this is to, to think that I could learn something new about the spirit after all, years and years of study of it, I learned something new or or it came into, it was something that I logically knew, but it came to light. The spirit is only communicating what Heavenly Father is saying. In up till now, I kind of imagined the spirit being a separate entity, which it is, but I kind of imagined it being like he was acting like a bishop would, right? Um, where he is inspired sometimes from, you know, he's sometimes it's from from heavenly father but sometimes it's from him and his experience and his his knowledge and or maybe that's not the right example but i just imagine the the spirit being kind of separate but really um in the activity what i did is i had a i have heavenly father holding a tin can like a tin can telephone and then this this boy or us uh, this little boy holding the other end of it but that doesn't have the string it doesn't have the string between it and so Heavenly Father's talking to him and he's listening, but he's not hearing anything. And so the kids, what they do is they put that, uh, another page that has just a squiggly line on it. And then they put that behind the picture and hold it up to a window and then trace the line onto the page with Heavenly Father and the kid. And it, it makes the line for the telephone. And the line is the Holy Ghost. So the line, the Holy Ghost is only relaying what Heavenly Father is saying. He's just Um, the messenger. He's the messenger. Um, And I love that visual of like, oh, this is Heavenly Father talking to me. I'm just hearing it through the Holy Ghost. And vice versa, this is me talking to Heavenly Father and he's receiving it through Jesus Christ. And that 
just opened up a whole new relationship with me and my heavenly father of like you've been talking to me this whole time and i've been i've been thinking that it was the holy ghost and it was i mean it is but it's heavenly father talking to me um and the other thing that the lesson teaches in the in the actual scriptures it says that or this actual scripture it says that whatever is said when being inspired by the Holy Ghost is the word of God. Basically, Heavenly Father will will put his stamp of approval on it if you, it's speaking, if they're speaking with the spirit, which gives you confidence that if you are giving a lesson or you are talking to somebody or you are, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're doing it with the spirit, you can have the confidence that those words are, are of God. Um, and there's been so many times when I've been in a lesson teaching and I teach myself, I mean, that I'm not really the spirits teaching through me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, did you guys hear that? Did you hear what I said? (laughs) That was amazing. Um, but I know that it wasn't me. I just had invited the scripture or the, the spirit to be with me while I was teaching and heavenly father used me as a vessel to, to share that what an incredible experience that is um, to, to be able, I mean, that happened frequently on the mission and it happens when I teach Relief Society and stuff, but more often than not, it's, it's me being taught by, by the spirit working, speaking through me. So you're talking about learning more about the Holy Ghost. I just had a thought that I'd never thought before as you were saying all this. And I think, isn't it so interesting how so often with the Holy Ghost, we are taught by feelings and not necessarily by words. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe there's times when we don't really have the words to explain what we're feeling, but a feeling will portray what we need to be doing even better than actual conversation would. Uh, right? Yes. I right? Love One of my favorite scriptures about the spirit is DNC 59, where he talks, uh, they talk about when the teacher is teaching with the spirit and the receiver receives it with the spirit, then both are edified and rejoice together. Yeah. And so it is that feeling It's the, it, it's not necessarily that they're receiving the, the words, it's that they're receiving the feelings. They're receiving yeah. that thing that is hard to communicate. Yeah. Like you just said. And so if you have the spirit with you, then the spirit, you just trust the spirit to send it to their heart and teach them. Oh, Isn't that that so neat? I don't know. I just also was thinking how neat it is that so often when I'm praying for the spirit, I'm praying for comfort or I'm praying for a soft heart or I'm praying. There's so many things that it's not like I need the Lord to even talk to me about it. I just need him to send me a feeling for something, you know, and I think that that like we talked in a couple episodes back about that well of living water that is definitely bringing your vessel to be filled up right is that spirit can fill you up in whatever way that you need whether it be through peace or courage or whatever it is that you you know that motivation to take that action or the restraint that you need in that moment because that can even be you know something too yeah um i like that because even when we were talking about the well of water, we were talking about the mysteries and, and some of those things. But I love that you just said the feelings, like hold out your bucket for, for comfort. And, and, it's, and it's there. Oh. 
See, this is why we do these talks. So me and you can be filled up <laughs> and everyone else can just listen. And hopefully they're, they're getting the same yes, thing we are. Yes. They're listening and, and filling up their jars with living water too. <laughs> I, I just love the, the Holy ghost and, and the relationship that, that we can create with heavenly father and Jesus Christ with and through the Holy Ghost and, and all of the things that he communicates to us when when you're talking about feeling comfort I just imagined because that feeling that he sends is just like a big hug right it's just like when I am having a hard time and all I need is my husband or my dad to hug me and it just dissipates and the and the spirit brings that hug to you from Heavenly Father what a blessing and and so Speaking of the list of things that we do to be worthy of the spirit, um, it's not lopsided at all. And in fact, it's lopsided in the other direction. You know, he says, do this, 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 and this, and you'll have the spirit, but you're also going to mess up and you can still have the spirit <laughs> and just repent and, and, and keep moving forward so that you can continue to have the spirit. Um, because this this is me. This is how I get to talk to you. This is my phone call to you. And if you can do these things, then I can talk to you. See, that was, that was me teaching me <laughs> because really that's what he's just saying, please be worthy so that I can talk to you. And, and he uses the spirit. So when we're worthy of the spirit, we're worthy of having a relationship with heavenly father and not not that we're heavenly father will always love us and always be there, but we will be open and ready for a relationship with him. I love that. And I also love how there are definitely ways and things that we need to do, you know, obeying the commandments and, and doing different things to have the spirit with us always. But I also believe that even if we feel very unworthy, that praying for that spirit, that we'll be blessed in that way as well. And so don't always think that you have to have all of these things done that you should be doing to be able to have the spirit. It just might not be with you as constant or as strong all the time as it could and will be if you're doing all the things that you should be doing. That is so could be doing. said. Let's say could perfect. be doing. Let's maybe not say should because there's, we can always say right, should. Right, right. There's, there's a lot, all kinds of things we should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, beautiful and I think of just my relationship with my dad um like there if I needed him and I picked up the phone and even if what I was doing he didn't agree with he would always pick up the phone and talk to me when I needed to talk to him so same thing like what you're saying is if you don't feel worthy just just pick up that tin can and the holy ghost line will be there (laughs) like yeah, don't be, don't let that stop you from, from your relationship with God, because he wants to talk to you. He wants you to feel his love. Um, and truthfully, it's those feelings that, that can help us find peace and to be able to change in, in some of those hard times. Love it. Just a reminder to head over to helpingofhappiness.com and sign up for that free newsletter so you can get access to our freebie resource library with chore charts and recipes and all kinds of other meal planning and family hacks. Have a great week.